Hello and welcome to the Dismantle Racism Show. I'm your host, the Reverend Dr. TLC. The goal of the show is to help you to uncover, eradicate, and dismantle racism. I am so delighted, as always, to have you with me today. And I'm especially excited today, and I know I say that every time, but this time I'm excited because this is Mental Health Awareness Month, and we are going to be talking today about mental health in uh, particularly the African-American community, but in people of color in general. And so I want you to stay tuned. If you have questions, please make sure you put your questions um, on Facebook, put them on YouTube. Please tell a friend to join you to listen in to this conversation today. If you like what you hear on the Dismantle Racism show, please subscribe and tell other people to subscribe as well. We want to build our following so that people can understand what they need to do if they want to engage in racial equity and social advocacy. And if you just want to learn more about the things that are relevant to people of color. So whether you're an advocate, an ally, or just listening in for yourself, it is important for you to uh, listen to the show each week and also to tell other people about it so you can have some discussions. If you have questions as well, I invite you to send me a message at sacredintelligence.com. Just go to the website and you will find a contact page there and you will be able to send all your questions, thoughts, and comments to me. We want to get started as we always do with our show, and I want to invite us into a time of meditation. So if you would, I just invite you to close your eyes if you're in a place where you can do so. And if you are sitting, I just want you to, you know, place your feet firmly on the floor, and I want you to begin to feel yourself supported by your chair or by your couch a car seat, wherever you are, if you're not, of course, driving and you're pulled over someplace, you want to make sure that you're safe. And I want you to just begin to breathe in and out, connecting with your breath, connecting with your divine wisdom, connecting with your sacred intelligence which is that part of you that allows you to make intelligent choices that are going to manifest your greatness while helping others to manifest their greatness. So breathe in and out. And I want to just invite you, if you would, to take a really slow, deep breath in and hold it. And then just to release it really slowly. I'll take one more deep breath in very, very slowly and hold it and then release it. And as you return to your normal breathing, recognize that there is power in your breath. Your breath centers you. It calms you when you're feeling anxious. It gives you a moment to think when you've been triggered. It stabilizes you. And it lets you know that you are full of life. It connects you with your sacredness, your divinity. Again, it connects you with your power. And if you pay attention to your breath, if you sit quietly enough, you will receive guidance and direction for your next step. And you will understand that you matter and what you do matters. You will understand your connection with others whether that be family, community, or the world. We are all interconnected. We do not exist in a silo. You are important and your work is important. Your purpose is important. 
So just breathe in and out and let that settle into your very being, your essence. Breathe in and out and give gratitude for this moment. Gratitude for the guest who is here today to enlighten us. Gratitude for the conversation. And as you breathe in and out, I invite you to open up your mind to receive new information, to understand differently than perhaps you have before about a topic that may seem familiar to you. Just take a deep breath in. Give gratitude for yourself in this time and place. And recognize that the power of one contributes to the power of community. So take one more deep breath in. Sigh it out. And we say, and so it is. Ashe and Amen. In preparing for today's show on mental health, I decided to do something that I haven't done in years. And that is I went and picked up this dissertation that I did so many years ago. And, you know, When you do a dissertation, unless you're going to publish it for writing, most of the time, you don't want to look at it again. You actually don't want to go back through. You don't want to, you don't want to look and see the number of errors and you've looked at it. Like it seems like millions of times. So you just, just don't want to look at it again, but you're proud of the work that you've done. But why did I pick it up today? I picked it up today because I was reminded really that The topic that I chose was help seeking among Black parents, the utilization of professional and non-professional help. Because years ago when I did my, my dissertation, which was in 1998, I can't believe the time has gone by so quickly. But when I did my work, I wondered whether people of color, Black people in particular, whether we sought help because oftentimes we do not because of the history of what has happened to us. Some of you will remember the syphilis study that was done at Tuskegee Institute where they purposely gave black men syphilis for the purposes of a study. We were guinea pigs. And so we, as people of color, as African-Americans, don't often trust the system because of what has happened to us in the past. There are other things that come into play with why we don't trust the system as well, because sometimes we feel like if we go and talk to people uh, who don't understand us, who don't understand our culture, the next thing you know, the Department of Children and Families might be called on us. So we don't trust the system. And we have this thing about What happens in the family stays in the family. And unfortunately, when we don't talk about things, we don't recognize that there are other people in the community who are going through things. We don't recognize that there are people who look like us who are available to help us. And we don't recognize that there are people who don't look like us who are willing to help us and who can understand us and what we're going through. So when I looked at my dissertation, uh, you know, briefly, uh, what I really discovered was that oftentimes we will go and have a social network if there are people that we trust to talk to, and those people may not necessarily be the ones to help us out professionally with the help that we need. And if the problem is severe enough, we might go and get help. But all too often, we will say, oh, something is wrong with that person. They're a little touched in the head or just that's just the way that they are. 
Yeah, well, it might be the way that they are, but they could get some treatment and they don't have to suffer. And neither do you have to suffer. If there's someone in your family or even if you yourself have uh, some mental health issues. So today on the show, we're actually going to be talking about mental health in the Black community. And what we're talking about is actually relevant to other folks as well. So please don't uh, stop listening because you think it's not relevant for you. Because much of what we're going to talk about, even if we're talking about uh, some of the symptoms of mental health and talking about um, you know, how to find the right provider for you, all of those things are relevant to you. I want to start by saying, though, that because this show is about dismantling racism, what we will be looking at and the reason why we're talking about African-Americans in particular is because race permeates every single thing that we do in society. And people will often say, oh, you're just playing the race card or why do you have to talk about race so much? It's because we live in a system that is inherently racist and all our policies and even some of our rules are based on race is based on categorizing people and othering people. I've talked about it before. When you look at the criminal justice system, who do you see in the criminal justice system more often, even for committing the same crimes that our white counterparts commit? You see people of color, and in particular, there's a high prevalence of black folk in prison. Well, the same thing happens when we look at medical disparities and when we're looking at mental health disparities, even in the way people diagnose us, because they will see behaviors as deviant that are not actually deviant behaviors. And, and race isn't considered oftentimes when people are diagnosing. So today we're going to get into this conversation with my guest. Um, my guest today is Khadija Tuit, and, and she will come on in a few minutes after the break. But I want to tell you a little bit about her just before we break. She is a certified psychiatric mental health nurse practitioner. And I, for one, am happy to see that she has really this dual degree of being a, a psychotherapist and a nurse practitioner because she can actually diagnose and treat at the same time. She earned her doctorate degree from the University of Massachusetts at Amherst, and she's worked in healthcare for 20 years. She is an alumna of the Partnership Fellows Program for Emerging Leaders of Color, and she was nominated for the prestigious National Compassionate Caregiver of the Year Award. Dr. Tuitt is a mentor and public speaker who strives to help organizations understand the barriers that many Black and underserved individuals faces. She ventures to create opportunities to break through racial biases through creating opportunities for organizations to understand the power of culture, diversity, and inclusivity. And so when we come back from the break, I want to welcome to the show Dr. Khadija to it. We'll be right back with the Dismantle Racism Show. Excuse me. I'm your host, the Reverend Dr. TLC. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Are you 
Are you on edge? Hey, we live in challenging, edgy times, so let's lean in. I'm Sandra Bargeman, the host of The Edge of Every Day, which airs each Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges. That's The Edge of Every Day on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. Are back with my guest today, Dr. Khadija to it. I am so delighted to see you again. I uh, first had the wonderful, wonderful opportunity of meeting uh, Dr. Tuit when she was on a mental health panel with my uh, church, the Martin Luther King Community Presbyterian Church. And um, I just want to say, Dr. Tuit, you are a one dynamic sister, first and foremost. And I just so appreciate the work that you are doing in this area of mental health because um, there are not enough of us who are practicing. So I I really just wanna start the show by asking you what inspired you to do this work because it's not easy work. And so what inspired you? Um, So my inspiration was my own story and recognizing what people didn't see in me. So it's really important. Um, to be the reflection that I needed to see. And I had a lot of trauma growing up, right? And so that trauma um, led to legal issues. And unfortunately, when I got into legal trouble, no one saw the trauma of the child. Mm-hmm. All that was witnessed was the crime. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I knew, and I've always known even then, that nursing, healthcare, healing was always a part of my journey. Mm-hmm. And so I wasn't going to let a legal issue or any issue stop me from returning and being able to heal my village. Mm-hmm. It actually made it more important. Mm-hmm. Um, and so six degrees later, here we are doing village work. Well, I, so here's what I love is because, because you can recognize the trauma then in other folks, right? And so tell me a little bit about what did you hope that people would have recognized in you? What, what were some of the symptoms? Because I, and I'm asking in particular, because I think even in our community, we normalize trauma. Yeah, yeah. So what, what is it that you wish people would have known? Yeah, I wish they would have known that crime is not crime when it's resiliency and based out of survival, right? Mm-hmm. And I think if someone would have looked at my why, why is this child in the street? Why is this child, you know, being frank, selling drugs. Why is this child not just doing X, Y, and Z, right? And I say child because I was a teenager, mm-hmm. adult in the eyes of the law, you know, but nonetheless, when my story started and things got bad, I was 13. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, if someone would have saw that perhaps it was really rooted in trauma and mm-hmm. that the skills that I were using were resiliency mm-hmm. um, and strength as opposed to a problem, I think that the compassion and the understanding would have been different, but we're often received um, by institutions that are built to break down and criminalize as opposed to treat, heal, repair, mm-hmm. and do good. Mm-hmm. So I wish that someone would have saw my strength. Mm-hmm. You know, um, the things that I did and why I did them and what I did accomplish um, in the struggle as opposed to you did this one bad thing and therefore. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I have to say, your record never goes away. And mm-hmm. so no matter what, I, I've graduated, I have six degrees, I've, I've been in the nursing career for over 20 years and for every degree um, that I've passed, I've been kicked, um, not given a, a license and had to appeal. Mm-hmm. So 
Mm -hmm. It doesn't necessarily go away, despite if this, you know, things occurring 20 years ago. So we have broken systems that um, say we want you to do better, but create a vortex where it becomes very difficult. That's right. And so, but, but really what I hear in your story for all those people out there who want to do something different is persistence and to keep trying. But but what I but what I also hear because you're you're giving me flashbacks because I used to work in uh, a juvenile uh, justice system where I saw more black and brown kids locked up and I also worked at a psychiatric hospital where I saw more white kids so like there's a lot we can get into here but you're making me think about how it how important it was for for kids. To not just have a person who looked like them, but to have someone who was compassionate. Now, I was a no-nonsense person. They couldn't just do anything that they wanted to because, you know, kids like to curse and do all this other stuff. And it was like, no, not with Dr. Curry Avery. You can't, you know, there's their boundaries. Now, now, if they were in the middle of a session and something came out, but, um, but they had boundaries with me and then they respected that sometimes even more than the parents. But my thing, like you said, was always like, why is this kid behaving like this, right? And so that's what I hear you saying is that get to the root of understanding why the kid is doing what they're doing, right? But but you're also saying something that's really critical too, this word resiliency and that the system is out there. So there was a reason why you were engaging in that activity. Right. Survival. So, so this is this goes well beyond just mental health, right? It goes. And, and let me say that when I when I got in trouble and was arrested, I was literally in my last semester of nursing school and was pulled out of class and told that I could not continue. Mm-hmm. So even in a profession that should be more trauma-informed, no questions are asked. Mm. And so, again, you talk about two different systems, who gets offered jail and who gets offered support. Now, mm-hmm. once was I offered therapy, mm-hmm. treatment, mm-hmm. that was not like a, an option. Like, maybe we need to get this kid some help, mm-hmm. right? Also, raising mm. a sibling and mm-hmm. has a child of their own. So not just, a, you know, one person just out there like literally caring for others and and her family. So um, let me just say that I applaud you, Dr. Tuit. I mean, just like you're saying it and you're just saying it in, in a 30 seconds bill, but like I applaud you. And I and I actually I thank God for you. Because for you to to six degrees later and to have to keep fighting the system. And I often say if we look at what an educated professional has to do to fight the system. Think about the people who don't have what you have and what they're fighting every day. So I thank God that something was poured into you where you could see your light. And I wonder, was there a person? Was there a person? Was there a professional at some point who reached out to you and and, and things turned? Without a shadow of a doubt. So I'll say that I was probably really in the thick of the streets when I was about 13 years old, not going home, running around, doing the most. Um, my, my mom um, had a best friend who was a um, nurse midwife, and she had her own practice. And in her practice, she treated a lot of young children who were pregnant, mm-hmm. um, victims of trauma, you name it. And she brought me to her practice in another state, um, and I worked with her. And when I tell you, I was like, what do you want me to do? And she said, you sit at that bedside and you make them feel safe. You support Mm -hmm. them. And so my job was to basically tell them that they were beautiful, that they were strong, that they could do this, that they were powerful because a lot of times they were alone, victims of trauma. So it gave me insight to say, your story might be bad, but somebody can have it worse Mm -hmm. and you can still support them Mm -hmm. in your own trauma. Mm-hmm. And so what it did, and I wish I would have said like, oh, a light bulb went off and I went back home and I never got in trouble again. No, mm-hmm. but a seed was planted. Mm-hmm. It was planted. And one day I knew I wasn't always going to be in the passenger seat and I could take control. And mm-hmm. so although I still went back to my life, another life 
was always in the back of my head. Yes. Yes. So all it takes is is just it, it, you know well not all but planting that yeah. seed. Show the difference, right? When I graduated as an LPN, ten months later, I went back to the very same block that I got arrested with and showed them my check because brilliant is filled in the hood. Okay, mm. opportunity oh, is not exactly opportunity yes. is not. Yes. And so when I said I only went for ten months, I have this check. And I can now walk around with money and the police can't arrest me or take it. Mm. Mm -hmm. So also going back and showing people like, hey, let me show you a different way. Mm. Because you got some of these same skills and the same stories I do, but we don't have to keep doing X, Y, and Z. We but I, 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 I love that you're saying that too, because what you're saying is, it's like, okay, you're, show, you're modeling for them, but you said something critical that a guest said on my show a few weeks ago. And I hope that my listeners keep hearing this is that word opportunity. And I'm actually going to have a, a whole nother show with this individual just to talk about the opportunity. Now, some of us get opportunity and we don't see the opportunity there. We don't take advantage. But all too often in our communities, we don't have the opportunities. And then that contributes even more to like our apathy, our despair, our depression, and then again, we start to normalize that, right? But was there a person professionally, like once you, you know, started your journey, you're in school, you say you get, you get arrested. Was there anybody then as you were getting your degrees who, who sort of said, I'm going to help you walk through this or here's where you can go? Did you ever have anybody who, who was a mentor to you in that way? I would love to say that I did but that is not the reality. Okay. Uh, you're in the vortex, you know, you're, you're, you're in survival mode for a very long time. And so as most of the people around you are, just the fact that you got into a program, people are already looking at you as if we hold you to a higher standard and we're looking to you to show us what to do. Mm -hmm. And there's not many of us right. on the other side to say, hey, sis, oh, I, I was you before. Come here, let me show you a different way and, and give you some lights along this path because you don't have to navigate it, which mm -hmm. is why I say it is so critical for us to infiltrate and be a part of every single system that is out there. Because if we are not a part of it, we will suffer. And if you can't be a part of it, create it. Well, I, I love that because here's the thing, and I love that you say infiltrate <laughs> too, because here's the thing, we all have to navigate this racist system that we have. Well, it doesn't matter what color you are, we're all navigating the system. And it's helpful when you have somebody who can teach you how to navigate it. Now, we have to navigate it differently than white people do because the rules are also different from us. And I know that there are listeners out there who will say, well, how is it different? Well, we just told you, we end up in the criminal justice system, white people end up in the psychiatric hospital. Uh, there was a crack epidemic. We didn't see the same sort of response as we see for this heroin epidemic. So just things like that, that allows us or that opens our eyes to things are different for us. That's why there needs to be somebody, like you said, pulling us to the side saying, now, now, Khadija, don't you do X, Y, and Z because that's not going to work. The stuff you did over here in the streets, not going to work over here. You know, we need those people, but we do have to take a quick break. And when we come back, Dr. Tewitt, I would love for you to kind of talk about what are some of the um, mental health disorders that you see most often in your practice? And I want to get into what are some of the treatments for it and um, really just enlighten our folks on when do you go and get help? When, do, when does it become apparent that you need to get help and this, this isn't normal? So we're going to be right back to continue our discussion with Dr. Tuitt. Um, This is the Dismantle Racism Show. I'm your host, the Reverend Dr. TLC. Are you passionate about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. 
proven world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be frank about health to advocate for all of us. Hey, everybody. It's Tommy D., the nonprofit sector connector, coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy and Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. I'm back with my guest today, Dr. Khadija Tuit, who is a certified psychiatric mental health nurse practitioner. And before the break, we were talking a little bit about how you got into uh, the treatment of folks who have mental health uh, disorders, in particular folks uh, of color. So tell me, Dr. Tuit, what are some of the most common uh, mental health disorders you see in your practice? Um, I think you're muted, so unmute yourself. Got it. Okay, so I, I do see a lot of um, depression. I see a lot of anxiety. I see a lot of trauma. I see a lot of undiagnosed ADHD, um, which I will say is a really big problem in our community because it wreaks havoc when children become adults who have not been appropriately diagnosed. Mm-hmm. And I think that, especially with this one diagnosis, people misconstrue intelligence with, with, you know, the symptoms and the diagnosis. And Mm -hmm. usually we say, I think, you know, that this person is struggling with this. It's like, my person doesn't have any trouble learning. And Mm -hmm. it's like, yes, they're they're brilliant, but they are struggling. Mm -hmm. Can you you just give some symptoms of ADHD and can you help the listening audience to understand? Because I love that you said, well, they're learning. So can you help them to distinguish when would be a good time to bring them in to get help? Absolutely, because not everyone who has ADHD needs medication. A lot of people can be treated with behavior modification. But when it gets to the point where you're so inattentive or distracted or disorganized or you can't get through your day because your mind is so filled with thoughts that it's overwhelming and you don't even know where to start and it's starting to affect your personal relationships. You're having social anxiety. Your work performance is, is tanking. It's taking you a long time to get things done or no matter how hard you sleep, you wake up exhausted, mm. tired mm. because the reality is your brain never really shut down even though your body laid down. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think when it gets, and that's for any diagnosis, mm-hmm. you say to yourself, this feels hard. I'm struggling. Your gut does not lie. Mm-hmm. When you keep thinking, I wonder if, do I have to suffer? Mm-hmm. Is this normal? That's a big thing. Is this normal? If you are asking yourself, yourself who you know, if something is normal, that's the time you should come and have a conversation. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, what happens is people keep going through life as if it's normal. And then all of a sudden when it's gotten to the extreme, they're like, Oh wait, you know, but, but so I I appreciate you giving those symptoms for ADHD. And there's a similarity between what you're mentioning for adults with youth. And so when should a parent, because, because we hesitate, because we don't want our children on medication. So what advice would you give to parents who are saying, you know, my child seems to be a little bit hyperactive or inattentive or impulsive, right? You know, talk to the parents out here about that. First thing I want parents 
to know because I think people also think addiction. I don't want my child addicted. And I think when people think ADHD, the only thing that they think about is stimulants. And there are many different treatment options for ADHD. So that's one thing is that everything does not have to be a drug that's addicting and it doesn't have to be forever. The other thing is that if you feel like you know your baby and if your baby is struggling hard and you see that they're trying their best and it's causing them to now not sleep well, have anxiety, have self-doubt, we don't want to have one problem become two or three. Mm-hmm. And what usually happens is that when it's not treated internally, the child starts to think that they are broken and something is wrong with them. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Because no matter how hard they're trying, oh, it's working. Thank you. Thank you for that. And then the other thing I think that we do, well, some parents, I won't say all, yeah. but sometimes parents will be like, can you just get over there and sit down? Or you're so this, you're so that. We, we're, we're, we're going with old patterns, right? Yeah. Of perhaps how we were raised, or whatever, and not understanding, like, wait a minute, they're not sitting down because internally they're 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 going crazy, right? So, oh, well, I'll let you respond to that, and then could when you respond, could you also address um, the importance of schools yeah. identifying? Because I think sometimes we rebel when when the school is saying, "Hey, I'm having problems," we get like upset or attitude about it. So, can yeah. you speak to that? Um, after yeah. you answer your question. So there's a few things too. So there's medication and there's also food. So a lot of people with ADHD crave sugary, sugary, non-healthy foods. And so if you're also um, giving this to your baby a lot, like this is all they'll eat or this is what they want all the time, alarms are going off, mm-hmm. okay? Because they're craving the dopamine. They're looking for the sugar rush. Um, and certain things will make it worse, red dye. So knowing a healthy diet is very important. Do we live in an environment where we can have access to healthy diets? That's a whole nother situation. Then honestly, ADHD in schools, again, yes, parents are going to be on guard. And I would say we should be on guard because a lot of times trauma and ADHD can manifest and overfold. And if someone is on the other side who is doing that evaluation and they're not aware mm-hmm. of culture mm-hmm. and certain dynamics, then a misdiagnosis can also occur. And so I think that in these situations, it's important to make sure that the person who's evaluating you, you have a trusting relationship because if your radar is going off Mm -hmm. and you haven't said, I just want to learn and more, be encouraged to learn. Mm -hmm. Get the information. Just because someone is telling you doesn't mean you have to do anything. Mm -hmm. It means pause, absorb the information, find out about the resources, and then ask questions. Yes. Be inquisitive. Who, what, when, and where? Who gets diagnosed with this? Mm-hmm. What population gets better? How mm-hmm. many people need medication versus don't need medication? Mm-hmm. Right? What are all of my treatment options? Well, I want to say something about that all of my treatment options and the ver- medication versus none. What folks have to also understand is the amount of work that they need to put in. So if you don't choose the medication, there are behavioral strategies that you can try, but you must be willing to do the work. And it takes a long time. It's not impossible, but but folks need to understand that. So just because they may come to you and you say, hey, well, we can maybe treat this with psychotherapy. Now, you and I both know that people don't always go home and do the things that we ask them to do in therapy. And as a parent, I get it. I used to judge it before I became a parent, but I I get why it's hard to follow through sometimes. But um, so, so we've talked about the ADHD. What about um, depression and anxiety? What does that look like? And again, you know, when should people kind of say, well, maybe I better get help with it. They are bipolar. So we're going to talk about that too. They, one minute they're happy, the next minute they got an attitude. Um, and that does not mean bipolar, okay? That might mean that they are emotionally uh, dysregulated and having a hard time managing emotion, but that does not mean bipolar. Mm-hmm. So usually, you know, depression, and I think when people say depression, they think, oh, I don't feel sad. I get up and do what I need to do every day. But depression has many different manifestations. You can feel irritable. You can feel like kind of blunted, like I don't feel anything. I'm just kind of going through the motions. Um, You can have sleep problems, sleeping too little, sleeping too much, having a hard time falling asleep, having a hard time staying asleep. 
appetite is all over the place. Sometimes you don't eat all day. Sometimes you're binging at night. Um, it could come with poor focus, poor mm-hmm. concentration, feeling distracted, um, lots of different things. And for bipolar, you might have all of those, but then it might be severely intensified um, to the point where you're engaging in high-risk behaviors, spending money, more flirtatious, feeling um, grandiose, um, hypersexual, you know, just doing things that your normal character would not do. Mm -hmm. And the big part is there's a sleep component. Mm -hmm. You might, you know, only need two to three hours of sleep or go several days and feel like I can catnap and I feel great. My energy is great. Mm -hmm. That's a warning sign. Mm -hmm. Um, That's a warning sign. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So um, what would you say then to, you know, all uh, those, there are people who've been dealing with that and, and, and said, no, I'm not going to, to do the medication. Um, What would you say to them if they really need the medication and they say, I, 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 not because of addiction, but it could be a spiritual reason, or it could be, you know, I can just do this by myself. What are some words that you would use yeah. to encourage folks to really consider medication? So one thing I ask is, you've been doing this already. How's it working for you? Okay. Um, and then the reality is sometimes medication is just for a reason in a season. It doesn't have to be forever. And a lot of times when people are engaged in therapy, it's, it's so hard to do the work because mm-hmm. you feel so bad on the inside. So mm-hmm. sometimes if we can just lift the cloud a little bit, Lift the lift, lift the weight that you can actually do the work, right? Then we can start pulling back a little bit and seeing where you are. I do this with people all the time. You know, I'm like, listen, you've been doing well. How's life? Things have changed. Let's see if we can just drop down by a little bit. Hmm. One of two things will happen. You're gonna be like, Dr. T, I still feel fabulous. I can't even tell that you dropped. Or you're gonna be like, no, baby, that did not feel good. I start to feel like I did before, and I don't want to go back there again because I'm thriving. Well, but see, see, the other thing is with the medication, what I what I love is that, you know, it, it actually awakens you so that you can do the work, and doing the work doesn't always feel good. So, uh, Dr. Tour, we're going to have to take a break in just a second, but I have to ask you this question because it's my bias, yeah. Uh, yeah. and I don't know if you share the same bias, yeah. but... You know, as a therapist, for me, whenever I would send people to get, uh, you know, an evaluation or say, you know, talk to your doctor about, you know, psychotropics, my preference was always to send them to someone who specialized in it and not just their general practitioner. It's not that the general practitioner can't give them medication for ADHD or uh, depression or anything, but I always believe that someone who specializes in this day in and day out, who could titrate the medicine, who could do all these other things, that that you you specialize in this and you're treating you, you treat other folks with the disorder. So, do you have a similar bias, or or tell me what you think about it? You got time or you want to wait for that? Oh, well, you know what? I, I guess I should just wait until after the break. <laughs> We're going to talk about it. <laughs> we'll come back. And then I got, hopefully, there are a couple other questions we can get in before the you show. But, but we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Hey, everybody. It's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy and Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. In a post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be Frank About Health to advocate for all of us. Are you a conscious co-creator? 
Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. are back in our final segment it goes so quickly so dr to before the break i was asking you about the the um your preference uh for people seeking help from someone like you who specializes versus going to their general practitioner for medication so uh, you're muted okay so general practitioners are their great partners um, because oftentimes they're the first line of defense, but what they're going to be able to do is very basic. And when I say basic, you're going to say, I feel depressed, I feel anxious, and they're going to say, here, take this antidepressant and see if it gets better. The difference is, is, it's like, for me, remember in the beginning, who's receiving you, right? I wish somebody would have saw everything before and not just what happened in that moment. The difference between someone who specializes, we're, we're going to take a walk with you. We're going to talk about your family history, genetics, medical comorbidities. We're going to talk about your childhood, you know, all of the things that make you, you. You know, what is your, your, your diet looking like? What is your lifestyle looking like? Um, so that we have a real, what are your family relationships like? Mm-hmm. Um, because all of these things come into play when we decide what kind of treatment works best for you. So it's not just a blanket pick. It is actually something that is tailored to you, your history, your family, your needs, um, so that we're really getting to the root of the problem and not just masking something in the moment. Mm. So um, so a couple other questions before we yeah. end. One, what are some of the barriers to us coming in to get treatment? What are some of the things that you, you are seeing most often? So big things are, one, there's um, lack of access. Mm-hmm. And then when there is access, the person is not always received appropriately, especially when they look like them. And there are a lot of assumptions that people will have, you know, before someone is even before you. So you talked about your capstone, um, your, your dissertation, my project was, teaching providers to recognize their bias before someone even entered the room. And one thing I would do is I would give them three names. You know, I would say Chad, Shaniqua, Muhammad. Mm -hmm. And I know they have a visual. And I say, your bias is already starting. Mm -hmm. You you know, you've already decided who that person was. So I think that we have to be very, very careful and respectful of the person who comes before us because you might only have one shot. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times that shot is blown, that person is not coming back. Been there, done that. I've seen the doctor before and whoop the whoop. They didn't listen. I didn't feel hurt. They put me on something. It didn't work. They, they, they wouldn't listen when I said it didn't feel good. And I think one of the biggest things is I would never tell someone to take something that does not feel good in their body. Yeah. Yeah. Ever. And so what I hear you saying, though, for, for people who are practitioners in particular, listen to what your clients are saying and don't make assumptions. You know, one of the things for me when I worked um, in an adjudicated system, I didn't read their files before I met them. And the, the, the kids would often assume that I read it. I said, no, I didn't read your file because I want to know about you, right? Your perspective is quite different. Now, what's interesting is they would always make an assumption about me because they made an assumption that if I'm Dr. Curry Avery, that there's, that she must have come, come with money. She, she, you know, she, she doesn't understand. She's an Oreo. I actually had one kid to tell me I'm an Oreo, and and then I had to, you know, kind of get up 
Yeah, if you know, I was like, uh, you don't know anything about me or or any of that. And then she was a little surprised. And then we, we, we connected and we worked really well together. But what would you, what would you leave for our listening audience, particularly for people of color to come and to get help? You know, are there any uh, parting words that you'd like to say? Yeah, it's for us too, y'all. Like I'm going to say this, there's so many things that we'll say that we don't like. Perfect example. This is our golf. Okay. We will say, I'll golf. Golfing is not for us. Just because you've never been invited to the club does not mean it's not for you. This is for you. We have a right to heal. We have a right to feel better. We have a right to have treatment that is tailored for us. We have a, a right to be received with respect and dignity, you know, and if you don't know, come get an evaluation. Mm. I'm more than open to like, the goal is to heal the village. That's the goal. That's well, the goal. I love what you're saying, because especially with this being Mental Health Awareness Month, I think all too often, we just simply will not go get the help because we use this mantra, I'm a strong, especially women, I'm a strong Black woman or I'm a strong woman. But you don't have to carry the weight of the world on your shoulders, right? You can get help. There was a time we had to do some stuff. You don't have to. Now, I, I, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you this question because I'm a pastor as well. Yeah. I have to kind of talk about the spiritual bypassing that happens in our churches sometimes. So what can pastors do to foster uh, our people going to get the help that we need? Right back to the village. And, so, and this is why I work with a lot of um, faith-based institutions because God has put us all here to help and to aid and to assist, right? Not just one. And what I need people to understand is that the faith-based institutions have always been our hub. That's where we go to find peace, to get support, to be heard. And so when someone is coming, broken beyond what you can prepare, this is not a prayer thing. This is not a faith thing. This is almost like letting someone who has a severe illness, telling them that they can just get it together and be better. It's a partnership. So know that you can hand off that person and have their faith remain intact, their dignity remain intact, and they can start really healing without more self-doubt and more like, I'm not praying hard enough. I'm not close enough to God. I'm not fasting enough. Like all of that, again, plants more seeds of brokenness. Mm -hmm. And we need to, to make people feel worse or struggle more, that is not how we heal. We well, have- and I actually call those wounds of religion oh. myself. Mm. That's, that's the term that I give because you're wounding that person some more. And I can, I, I remember back in the day when I first started this, when I was an intern and I was talking to this woman about medication for her child. I don't believe in that and blah, 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 blah. God can heal me. I said, let me tell you something. I said, I believe that I'm doing God's work by being a therapist. And God puts people here as instruments. You, you go get medication for everything else. Right. Now, if it's not the right thing, then don't, don't get it. So I love that you work with faith-based um, institutions and and try to help us to understand more, which again, I'm so glad that you came uh, to our mental health forum and was one of the panelists because people were really engaged and they were listening. And I could see that, you know, even sometimes when they looked like they were given a blank stare, they were processing. But, but uh, I really appreciate what you're doing out in the world. And so Tell people how can we get in touch with you uh, if they if they want to receive services from you. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, you can always send me an email, or you can go right on the website and book your own appointment online, even if you just want a consult. So my email is drdoctor.t at intuitbh.com, and it's intuit like I N T U I T T, which is my last name, because when you see me. We are going to get into it, okay? And Very my cool. website is is intuitbh.com, I-N-T-U-I-T-T-B-H.com. Um, so, oh, yeah. 
Yeah, thank you for that. And we'll have that information as well. Um, it's actually on uh, Talk Radio NYC's website, so you can find it there. But um, I know that you create an, uh, a safe space for people to come and to see you. So I do hope that people will be in touch with you. I want to thank you so much for this conversation, for your vulnerability and your realness with your story uh, as well, because I think it inspires people and what you have done is help people to see that there are people who look like them who can help as well. And even for the folks who don't look like us, you've also given people some questions that they need to ask. They can speak up and be advocates for themselves. So thank you so much for being here today. I appreciate you. And thank you to my listeners today. I hope that you um, will go to the website again and comment and ask your questions um, that you still might have about mental health, because we want to be sure that we get you the information that you need. Uh, go to sacredintelligence.com to learn a little bit more about the work that I do as well with helping you to uh, walk your sacred intelligence journey of faith. Now, stay tuned for the Conscious Consultant Hour with Sam Leibowitz, where he helps you to walk through life with the greatest of ease and joy. May today you tap into that sacred part of you that allows you to make choices that manifest the good in you and those around you. Know that we are all one and exist because of one another. Make it a priority to share love, hope, compassion, and peace today. Be well, be safe, be encouraged. Until next time, bye for now. business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. you on edge? Hey, we live in challenging, edgy times, so let's lean in. I'm Sandra Bargeman, the host of The Edge of Every Day, which airs each Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges. That's The Edge of Every Day on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your conscious consultant. And on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be frank about health to advocate for all of us. about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. 
You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower.